Yo, Future Zach jumping in here very quickly just to give you an update that since the recording of this podcast, Lens Island has been delayed from November 5th to November 26th, which is November 27th here in Australia. So all future reference to Lens Island's release date actually is November 26th slash 27th here in Australia. Thank you. Welcome to Made in Australia, Ball Played's deep dive into the Australian games industry where we focus on an Australian-based studio and their upcoming game. Welcome back to Made in Australia. I'm Zach Jackson and today I'm joined by Julian Ball of Flow Studio. Julian, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, how have you been? Good, good. Like everyone, um, sort of dealing with life as it comes recently, yeah. but uh, we've been good. We've been bunkered down making the game, so it's hard to really perceive anything outside of just Lens Island currently, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's going good, working hard. Nice, and you're uh, you're in Brisbane, so you're probably, you haven't got, uh, you haven't had mass lockdowns like like we have here in, in Victoria. No, yeah, I think we've, we've had it pretty easy compared to the majority of Australia. So, yeah, it, it's, um, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely hate to think what it's like for, you know, my, my friends and family in New South Wales and Victoria. We, uh, we have it a lot better up here um, as far as lockdowns are concerned, but also, you know, we're in my, in my office all day working on the <laughs> game, so it doesn't really affect us too much yeah. either way. No, I definitely, uh, I get that, and, uh, you know, it could be a lot worse. Um, it sure could be. So, you know, it's not it's not all bad. All right, let's get uh, let's kick it straight off. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, obviously, your name's Julian. You're based in Brisbane, um, but it, I guess is Brisbane where you were born or where you're from? Your age, sort of little little general bits of info there that you want to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. As I'm 24, and uh, I grew up in the Blue Mountains, sort of out west of Sydney. And um, when I was, I think around 13 or so, moved up to Bris Vegas, as they call it. And um, yeah, sort of climatized the humidity up here. And uh, yeah, it's great. This is where I sort of, I, I never really had any interest in game design or anything um, until I sort of moved up to Brisbane. I uh, worked as a graphic designer and started a YouTube channel and was very artistic, creative, and in that sort of realm for a long time. And then I studied, a, I completed a diploma in graphic design, then did a degree in game design, and then um, started working on Lens. I, I worked, had, had a few jobs sort of in marketing and all that, and then um, started working on the game about three, three, four years ago. It had its roots even further back than that. Um, and then I guess the rest is history. The, the, the most recent sort of segment of my life is just working on Lens Island day in, day out. And it's, um, it's, it's coming to an end. Well, at least the the, the first section of it is yeah two months to go and then it's um and then it's released so that's a, a brief history very very nice um all right yeah so you started off uh, as a graphic designer that seems to be a somewhat common uh, theme uh, with the uh, developers that I have spoken with they you know they kind of do a bit of graphic design and then find themselves you know their creativity wandering into um, you know game design so uh, I guess what you said that you studied a, a graphic design uh, course or a degree. Um, whereabouts did you do that? So I um, I did that in, in Brisbane. I actually left school. So I didn't actually finish school. I left school at the start of year 11. 
and I was basically, you know, whining to my mom saying, I hate school. I am already making a life for myself as a graphic designer. I want to pursue this. So then I, I did a course at um, like a TAFE, like a Mount Gravatt Institute of TAFE here in Brisbane. And, um, and then I actually started my degree when I would have been starting year 12. So I actually started university early because I sort of went off the, the typical path and sort of went at it my own way. But it definitely seems like a natural extension for, and also other graphic designers and artists that I know to fall into um, game design, animation, the more 3D fields and interactive fields. It just sort of seems like, you know, getting that, the essence of the creativity in a part that you really enjoy and then making it into this bigger, more interactive experience. It just, it just feels like a natural extension. So I'm not surprised that you say that actually. <laughs> Um, you know, so, uh, with your graphic design, what sort of work did you, did you do? Cause I guess that can be, could be anything. So, yeah, I've, I've actually got a, a quite an interesting history as far as my graphic design roots. Um, it really dates back to like, like the, the thing that actually got me into graphic design was making YouTube banners for YouTubers. Okay. And I was really heavily in the whole like call of duty scene of like <laughs> with all the clans and all that and I was part I was like a graphic designer for a lot of these gaming groups and clans and a lot of them have gone off to like some of my very closest friends are now living in LA in big houses together and have this wild life and they Thank continue God. down that path yeah like you know in phase clan and all that sort yeah. of stuff and then here I am sort of going off this different route um so <laughs> all of all of the route came back to it, it sort of YouTube it all started with YouTube and within that realm meeting other people, making graphic design for them. And, and then just, I sort of started off a business um, where YouTubers would come to me and all sorts of content creators wanting branding, YouTube banners, thumbnails, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, then, and then it naturally grew into a bit more professional work uh, for businesses and logos and rebrand. And then also game art too, and freelancing for a couple of little game studios and all sorts of various tasks. That's awesome. So you touched on, uh, and, and you, I think you did mention this previously when we, we were sort of talking about doing this, is that you had a huge, or you have a YouTube channel, which I kind of forgot when I was writing uh, my notes, but I can see your little, uh, is it like a award in the background there for... Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, that's a 100,000 plaque. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell us a bit about, about that sort of journey. Do you still do it? Yeah, well, yeah. So the, the YouTube channel has essentially naturally grown into what is now the Flow Studio channel. Yeah. Uh, so my original name at this whole time has been Flow Graphics. So it was teaching, um, doing online teaching for graphic design and art and your know, tutorials and also showcasing a lot of my own artwork. It was just things graphic design related. And then it slowly morphed into showing off the game, doing dev logs or like or dev diaries for the game. And uh, and yeah, and then now it's sort of as a hub. For Lens Island and for Flow Studio as a company, we can actually have a lot more of a, um, a sort of connection to the audience because the YouTube channel for me has been really, really important to make a game for the people and not just make a game for myself in isolation. So having that constant communication back and forth has been paramount to the, yeah. the creation of the game itself. It's it's been really special. Yeah, that's uh, that's I mean, hundred thousand. That's uh, that's a great effort. Um, <laughs> Thanks. We don't even have a thousand, so you're uh, you're well ahead of us. But just I want to kind of fast forward a little bit and sort of talk about the the game design education, and I guess even uh, back on the graphic design um, learning as well. But a lot of people, again, that I speak to, they say that YouTube was a great tool for them and a great resource for, for them while they were learning game 
design. I guess you would you would feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, having my roots in sort of teaching people mm. myself, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm an absolutely an advocate for uh, learning and consuming as much as you possibly can from platforms like YouTube because yeah. it's it's free and just infinite amounts of knowledge that you yeah. can sort of pick apart and learn from. Uh, yeah, it's it's vital and incredibly useful to anyone, no matter your schooling or backgrounds. It's um, yeah, it's been important for myself too. Yeah, did you ever, um, with your sort of your flow graphics work, did you ever get like requests on, you know, hey, can you do a video on this or stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, like the comment sections usually, usually came pretty naturally figuring out what to do next because you yeah. just sort of go with what the crowd's telling you to do um, or I just go with my own strengths and I go, oh, I know I'm pretty good at this thing, so I'll do a tutorial on it. Nice. Uh, but yeah, usually it's, you just sort of, you put something out and then you just listen to what the people say and they sort of decide the next video for you. So yeah, it comes nice. pretty naturally. Awesome. All right, well, let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit and talk about Lens Island. So give us, give us the very, very brief elevator pitch on what Lens Island is. Yeah, so it's a top-down action-adventure game where you play as Len. And Len is a, a traveler, adventurer, who's come to um, live on an island and you're essentially unraveling the secrets of this island and this town as you sort of make your own mark and carve sort of a home and a life for yourself. So it's sort of a mix of two big genres, the more creative home building, farming, more sort of exploration and that calming therapeutic type gameplay mixed with a lot more intense sort of dungeon battles and cave exploration and fighting and combat. So the, the big sort of draw for me personally was I would play games um, like dungeon crawlers, I'd play games like Diablo and I'd love the combat and I would just get exhausted about fighting all the time and non non-stop combat. And then I'd also play games, you know, like Minecraft and Stardew Valley and such. And I would engross myself in the farming and the creativity in the building, but I would want a bit of action. So the, the goal of Lens Island is to sort of combine those two genres so people can sort of pick apart and sort of go throughout their own slices of gameplay um, or within like a world that just looks really pretty and they're just enjoying all of the moments throughout it. Uh, that, that's really been the goal all along is to sort of blend two genres together that don't typically blend. And then also um, people that are more, more interested in each side of the genre can get to sort of experience it in a really natural sort of pleasing way. Yeah, you um, you gave me like a, I think it was a demo build that you had uh, previously. And I can't, when I was checking out Lens Island, I was like, oh, these, this, these genres are not really my thing. Um, but, you know, I'm open to, to uh, trying new things, but I loved it. Like I was pretty hooked on, uh, on playing it. And you're right, like it is, it is gorgeous. Um, some of that, you know, Having not been able to go into actual beach water for a long time, you know, swimming in, in that little, in that ocean um, was, was you're right. Like it's very therapeutic, but I guess what, um, I guess you, you did sort of touch on it there, but that mixture of like, it's, it's like a genre cocktail that, that you've got going on. How did you make sure that it was all balanced sort of enough, you know, you did, that you didn't lean too much onto one side of, you know, or to like one genre? Um, was that, that a bit of a challenge? Yeah, I think it wasn't It wasn't too challenging for us. I think now coming to the very final stages of finessing and fine tuning the game, it, it's a little bit challenging, but I guess in the core gameplay loops and just the overall structure of the game, I didn't personally find it too challenging just because I really enjoy games and 
both sort of extremes of the genre. You know, I was I was a hardcore Rust player for a very long time, so I would be at like up at four a.m. taking care of my base with a shotgun, you know, waiting for people to to come and raid me. But then I would also love games where I would just sit building something mindlessly by myself for however long all day, and I felt like I've sort of through my own personal experiences been able to sort of um, understand both ends of the spectrum. And I've been able to sort of create a cocktail in, in between, as you said. Uh, and then also with the, the lead programmer, Martin, he has a very diverse game experience to what I have. So I think I, we just sort of got lucky to an extent with my personal background in gaming, his background, and sort of like clashing those ideas together. We found a nice middle ground. Yep. As well as that, I think also just the YouTube channel. Um, from day one, you know, I had videos of just showing me having little capsules bobbing around and being like, oh, here's Lens Island. And it just started really from nothing to what it is now. And there's always been an audience and there's always people giving me feedback and just having that constant communication to and through has been really, really essential. Uh, it's incredible to think how different the game would have been without YouTube and without yeah. that audience giving me feedback. So I would say for the majority, we got lucky. And then for the other half, I just have to thank the viewers and the people that are actually fans of the game itself because they're the ones that helped craft it in, into what it is now. Yeah, it's, uh, I've learned uh, through these chats that communities for indie games are very, very big. You know, having those Discord channels and stuff you know, to help get feedback from people who invested, I guess, in, in the game from the early days uh, is massive and, you know, that you've got that huge audience already there, you know, giving you feedback and helping you develop it, I guess, um, is great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, from from playing it, I reckon I've sunk maybe five hours into it. Um, okay. I don't know how long there is meant to be in the demo. I don't know how long it's I, I say two to four right, to okay, generally okay, for the yeah. demo. Two to four is the average. Uh, but, we, look, we had beta testers playing it for 40 hours building mansions so it's yeah <laughs> yeah like i'm uh i don't feel like i'm finished at all um the the first thing that struck me was just because i used to play the sims as a bit of a kid you know so love like building you know the houses and doing that and then so i was i was sort of hooked on that you know um doing doing that part of it and then i kind of started to explore a bit and went into the caves and i was like uh, i'm not quite strong enough to you know go exploring here and then uh, it was one of those games where I was like, I'll play one more day, you know, one more time loop of a day. And then it, it, I was like, okay, it's 1am now. I should probably, um, probably, probably go to bed. But yeah, you know, then I went and did the, uh, exploration and I was like, this is, this, this feels like a whole different game, but it fits like perfectly. Um, so I think the way that you've, uh, meshed it all together does, uh, works, works very, very well. So just, I got, I got a couple of questions though, because again, like I said, this is not really my uh, normal sort of genre. With Lens Islands, so I think I think you, you pretty much answered it before, but so the idea of this game is that Lens not trying to survive and escape. He's obviously creating this paradise, this island that he can live on and you know keep living. Is there like an end point? Is there like a goal? Is there at some point he goes, thought of the game goes, right, you've one you've won lens island or whatever it is uh short answer is yes uh i guess an easy comparison is probably minecraft where there's it's an open world and you can play it for as long as you want although within the dungeons does lie an endpoint although um because we're launching into early access that endpoint will keep growing so when the game launches it will have a endpoint but it's not 
the endpoint. Sure. Um, so the whole underground system will continue to grow. But the, the, the idea, and I don't want to sort of give away anything too monumental to the story, uh, but I, I, the, the idea is that as you sort of progress throughout the, the dungeons and the caves, you're finding out, you're sort of piecing together the storyline and finding out how the whole world and the universe of Lens Island sort of fits together and the history and everything. So it's sort of like these two aspects of gameplay sort of climaxing in tandem where you're actually sort of figuring out oh, this all starts to sort of make sense now. And then the second part is it's really sort of resonating with that whole feeling of um, really thriving on the island and not, and not surviving, but th making it a home and living at peace with the island and, and really sort of, um, yeah, making it a, a home. But th there absolutely will be a, a final point, which is like, you know, the credits roll and you, you finished Lens Island. Uh, although, you know, we'd expect people to just keep playing and do whatever they want because it will be an open world and also just due to the nature of the game uh there will be lots that we will be adding you know nice. it's it's a lot of it's still open in the air but you know maybe you can build a raft and go to other islands maybe there's new worlds to go to maybe there's different dungeons and things so there will be several further endpoints being added as development progresses because we have, we have big uh, big plans for the future so it will only continue to grow yeah that was going to be one of my questions is uh, i feel like i've cut down every tree on that on like on that island so far so i was wondering if, if there was other little islands nearby that you could swim to because i think there's a couple that you can build bridges and or and that to get to but i wasn't sure if there was another island you know you could maybe build a ship or something and go and uh, you know, farm resources on another, maybe like another island's got a special, you know, resource that you can't get on that one. But um, yeah, nice. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned that you've got a programmer. So just back on to Flow Studio, I guess when, what, what was the moment where you realized that you wanted to go from being a YouTube channel into an actual game development studio? How did that sort of, how, how did that turn that change come hmm. just quickly actually before i jump into this question um it well i'm glad you like you spent that much time on the demo because we're the the game will launch your early access has a that demo island's just for the demo so there will actually be the island in the proper game has a whole town like a completely different area ah, you can go to the okay. island's about i don't know 10 15 times the size if not right. bigger there are several different islands with all different activities and things to go to the cave is probably 20 to 50 times the size with a whole lot like it's a lot more substantial in every single That's facet cool. so yeah it's good to, it's good to say that you enjoy the demo because it's a, a tiny tiny <laughs> slice of the full game yeah, yeah nice yeah because i was wondering i was like how because i didn't know that so i was like uh, how does this again like that's my inexperience with this genre i was like how does this flesh out into a to a full experience but i guess that makes a lot of sense then but um Cool. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We sort of made it as a, a self-contained little micro yeah. <laughs> version cool. of the game. Um, but yeah, so what was the question again? Um, <laughs> I forgot it now. <laughs> so, so with with starting Flow, uh, the game dev component of Flow, uh, what was the, the sort of moment where you where you realized that you wanted to go from being a graphic designer to a game dev? Oh uh, yeah, okay. For, for me, it was. It was, it was a pretty pivotal, mo pivotal moment in my sort of career and my own, I, I don't know, just my future, uh, because I, I was in a really good position in a job. I was sort of marketing director of, of a company that was going quite well, and I was very comfy within my life, and I had a lot of really positive career outlooks, and everything was going fine. And um, it got to a point where I was sort of deciding, oh, you know, do I want to 
immerse myself in this world? Do I want to, you know, become a shareholder in a company and go down this path and, and really potentially, you know, make a lot of money and do a lot of great things, um, but it's not my passion? Or do I want to drop it all and continue my passion? And I think the more I progressed in my career away from game design, um, the more I started to, it just started to eat me inside, you know, like, oh, I just, I just want to make games. It's what I love doing. It's what I'm best at. And I just, it's all I wanted to do. So it really just, it got to a boiling point where I said, Oh, that's it. That's it. Like I'm, I'm doing Lens Island. I'm doing it full time. I don't care. I just need to do my, I need to harness this passion and, and make it happen. So I, you know, saved up my money and, um, quit my job and then just started the studio. And then that was about one and a half years ago. And then okay. prior to that, I would just, you know, every, every day after work, cause I had a pretty busy life. I was, you know, flying around Australia, flying to China and, and, and managing sort of production and all sorts of things for many facets of this company. And, and uh, yeah, my life was a bit chaotic. So anytime I had spare time, I'd just be staying up all night working on Lens Island. And uh, it got to that point where I just had to pick one or the other. And uh, very, very happy I picked, <laughs> I picked Lens Island. <laughs> Although I don't get much sleep these days, I, yeah. I couldn't be happier. I was going to ask, uh, like, yeah, do you miss that, um, the more comfortable lifestyle? Or maybe not so much comfortable, but um, the, other, the other lifestyle that you had previously. Do you ever, are there days where you go, oh, I wish I was just back in my old job. <laughs> yeah, look, honestly, all the time. Um, although, you know, nothing great ever happened from, you know, being comfortable. So, yeah, it's it's most indie game, like game designers are in very similar situations. Um, and it really, it differs with the scale of the game and the scale of the team. Unfortunately for me, it's essentially two people um, making their first real game. And that first real game is a game that's usually made by 20 to 50 people and we're making it out of my bedroom and we work you know 12 to 14 hours every day seven days a week so it's just hard like it, it's not easy and most people in my position you know are in very similar positions and it's unfortunately what you just need to do um, but it's all out of necessity and it's all for to, to create something great so although it's not the most comfy um, or happy lifestyle it um it's i still wouldn't change it and i still it's all for a purpose and it's all to create something amazing so you know one day when we release the game and uh we can actually you know pay ourselves wages and have an office and have some more stability and structure i can then go home and walk my dog and chill out and not have to just work on the game every night so you know that will come in time um for now i'm just sort of head down working on the game yeah and uh sticking it out nice so you, you bring up something very interesting and I love asking uh, devs this question uh, just about crunch because I feel like there's different types of crunch. There's obviously the force crunch that you get that you hear about in big studios, you know, uh, that have been, you know, there's been tons of terrible stories there. But then there's also the second type of crunch, which I think is a self-enforced, self-motivated, driven crunch, which is still, I guess, it's it's still crunch, I guess, in, in a way, but it's not. Um, which is where you're saying, you know, that you work 12 to 14 hour days, seven days a week, because this is your passion. Um, I guess, are there any, are there ever times where you think that you are overworking it or, or do you just feel like, no, this is, you know, you, you're constantly motivated to, to keep building and, and are working on this game? Yeah, look, sh- short answer is like, it's, it's not healthy and it's not sustainable and it's, it it's hard, you know, no one you know if you can deal with if you can make an indie game and work those long hours and and just stay up here all the time like you just have to be 
inhuman like you have to be an absolute machine because we're all human at the end of the day we all have emotions and and you need to maintain your health and your mental health and uh it it's definitely not easy and honestly i wouldn't really suggest it um but like like you said it's it's like self-inflicted crunch and effectively almost every indie developer goes through the same thing because you know most game designers out of university they go i want to make an open world rpg and this is what everybody says and they have these gigantic ideas for games and they don't quite understand the scope as was the exact same position that i was in except for mine it was definitely i understood that it was a huge scope that was realistically just too big for me to tackle um although i wanted to do it anyway it was sort of that like you know that <laughs> pioneer inside of me that i got to prove the world wrong and do it anyway so i i was going into it knowing what i was getting into but some people don't and then the people that do, um, they know what they're getting into, but it will always, there will always be drawbacks. Like, you know, I've had lots of battles over the past few years, even my health, like it got to the point where, you know, um, I, I had really serious health issues because of just how much I was working on the game. So it is something where quality over quantity is something that a lot of people miss out on. It's something I've personally had to learn, you know, it, it's better to work nine very very productive hours than 12 or 14 non-productive hours uh and you know we're all human and you got to maintain a healthy lifestyle you know you got to be active you got to eat healthy you got to sleep correctly and and have a social life and have a you know if you have a relationship maintain that so there's a lot of factors and um it's very very hard to juggle and almost any indie developer would definitely um throw away a lot of it in the in the short term to make a game happen uh, so it's it's definitely not sustainable. I wouldn't suggest it, although I would still do it again. Uh, it just sounds <laughs> chaotic, but I would just do it over and over and over if it meant Lens Island would get made. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's most of the answers have been similar, um, but there are some who are like, no, you know, we work nine to five, for example, and outside of that is you know personal time kind of thing. Um, yeah. Know. We just don't have the luxury, unfortunately. Like I, I would absolutely love to do that, but it's just because of the position we put ourselves in, um, we we just have no other choice. Which I'm okay with, because it was an active choice. It was a choice to do that. Though, you know, just just with how small our team is and the scope of the game, like it just we wouldn't be releasing at our release date if we worked a nine to five job. It, it just wouldn't happen. Is um because when when you say it's it's uh, self inflicted in in that terms, what um What's the drawback for, say, pushing that release date? Well, b- big one is just money, you know. It's expensive yeah. Yeah. to make a game. Um, like, we had a Kickstarter, which helped out a lot, but this is all being self-funded. So, you know, we, we're not pub- we're self-published as well. So, I have, besides Kickstarter, there was, there was no financial help. It was just, you know, the, the game's money was just my savings account, and it still is. So, you know, I can't, I haven't been working and I haven't been earning a wage or doing anything for one and a half years now. So, you know, that takes a lot of money also starting a game studio takes a lot of money so one is it is this like out of necessity it's like okay i can't physically keep going without yeah. money for, for any longer <laughs> and then the other part is like you just have to release at some point you know um because you know not even not only myself but you know martin he cuts back his work hours and and it's sort of usually it's like you sort of have to set up everything in your life sort of to the maximum level to make it fit and to make it work and there's only so long that you can sort of hold that time frame until you go okay we've we've run out of money we can't sustain it physically or mentally or whatever reason it it needs to sort of change and and then you put your end date a little bit before that date so realistically a lot of indie developers it's not really a choice i would love to spend another six months another year on the game 
Although that's also why we're launching in early access. Yeah. Um, saying that though, our expectations are also up here. Like it's like, I'm really, really proud of the game and really confident in it. And a lot of it is probably just the fact that we have internally really, really high standards and anything that doesn't meet that just we we don't accept <laughs> and um and we want to launch a game at those really high standards yeah of course uh, you've you've touched on a couple of things i want to talk about but yeah so that's what i was going to say uh, or ask is it you're launch, launching in early access to sort of get the game out there and get a bit of money and a bit of return on investment kind of thing and then keep building as you said is there a <laughs> bit of a put you on the spot here but is there a rough timeline when the the full game is looking to launch like are you saying we're going to work we're, we're work on it for another two years or or so or, or you haven't really got that yeah well f- funnily enough your example two years is, is spot on okay. um so t- yeah two years is our current uh runway for when we'd like to get the full game out and, yeah. and, and two big big milestones for the for the full release game um that are milestones that are being essentially constructed through feedback of the community is our multiplayer co-op Okay. It's, it's the number one request that we get, although it's a lot of work. And then the second big milestone internally is um, using a, a, a current game engine. We're using a really, really old version. We're using an early 2018 version of, of Unity to make the game, okay. which makes it very tedious. So we need to essentially remake the game from the ground up in the most current version of the oh. game engine, which is a really big task that we've just had to keep prolonging. So those are two real big sort of things yeah. that we need to, to add. And then on top of that, finishing, like the, expanding the game. I wouldn't necessarily say finishing the game. I would just say making it bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. Lots more content. Cool. So the Kickstarter then, uh, which was July last year, you were um, you had a goal uh, of about 33K, I think, from from my notes here. But you actually nearly got double that. You got you got 58K, which is awesome. Like that would have been a, like a massive confidence boost that, you know, that what you're working on has got, you know, it's got people's, um, their interest because a lot of Kickstarters fail. Like you see some and they, you know, they've got next to no um, pledges whatsoever, but uh, you know, yours did uh, very well. So that money, what does that money do? So does that essentially pay your, your wage for X about X amount of time or does it allow you to bring in other people? Yeah. So um, it, it doesn't pay my wage. It's, really just keeps the business going okay. it, it gives us more it gives us more runway effectively as well but yeah like i think a lot of people just don't understand the associated costs with making a game just a studio you know like if, if i just want to be a graphic designer and just register as a sole trader it's like, okay it's a hundred dollars and i register my business and i'm ready to go but you know you want to set up a game studio and you need to set up a company structure and all has to be done through accountants and you need to have everything sort of done with a fine-toothed comb you have to have contracts and trademarks and all sorts of stuff and you know Mm. just simply having having like an entity that is you know able to function as a as a game you know that could just cost you 20 grand you know and it's just like it's if you want to do things right from the get-go which you really have to do if you're going to make a game that's global and going to have a big audience it costs a lot of money just to do that and then also just keep it going you know like uh, software subscriptions and yeah. everything related to the you know to games can cost thousands of dollars every month so the kickstarter really just like kept uh, a roof over the company it sort of yeah. kept just 
Flow Studio functioning and sort of gave us everything we need. We able we were able to have some luxuries, and when I say the term luxuries, it's mean use some of that money to actually make the game, um, and actually like you know pay some amazing artists to do some things and, and pay a character modeler to help us out with some some NPCs and things like that. Uh, it would have been amazing to have more of those luxuries, although and I think this is a case for a lot of Kickstarters is most of the money just gets put into keeping the machine going. Yeah. And you don't actually get a lot of that money directly going to the game because the thing that the thing that's making the game is just manpower. And usually manpower is just run on, you know, Red Bull and noodles and, you know, willpower. <laughs> and, uh, and there's just so many costs associated with game design. So, yeah, realistically, like 90% of it just went to keeping Flow Studio alive and, and making sure everything ticks over and paying all of our bills. That's um, interesting. I, I guess I've, I've never really thought about it a lot, you know, sort of what that Kickstarter money goes to. But that's, uh, I mean, the, what you're saying makes makes a ton of sense, um, but not something that I'd ever I'd ever thought of. When it, Have you ever considered looking at funding? Because there's some funding uh, opportunities, I think, for games. I don't know how, how many there are for Queensland-based devs, but I, I know that Melbourne's got some good programs. But did you ever look into sort of anything like that? Yeah, so I looked into funding, like government funding for I think Queen, Screen Queensland and Screen Australia, and there's a lot of government bodies that, that do funding that is directly applicable to us, as well as it's obviously publishers and all sorts. To be completely honest, uh, there's been endless people knocking on our door, uh, wanting a, a piece of the pie and wanting to throw money at Lens Island, and it's just been a whole lot of no's for me, and it, it really just comes down to just... I just don't want to be told how to make the game um, and I want to pour all the resources into the game and I don't want to pour it into anything else. Yeah. Uh, so th- th- there are some other facets to it as well. But, you know, I, f- for me, I'm, I'm not trying to build a company. I'm not trying to make a lot of money. I'm trying to make a fantastic game. And I think a lot of funding opportunities jeopardize making that fantastic game. And I, I don't want to put any risk associated with making that game not optimal and not the the perfect game that we sort of want to make so uh yeah that's why we've just choose chosen to sort of slog it out ourselves (laughs) it is difficult though it will make lens island will be better because of it i was gonna yeah i was gonna ask uh surely you've had people uh trying to slide in on that uh lens island action because you know it's i think it's got tons of potential uh based on the demo and sort of like the feedback that i've sort of read about the game while sort of doing a bit of research um can you give us a little a little bit of a little bit of juice on uh on that sort of publisher aspect like were there any publishers um like i guess big name ones that sort of approached you and were there any deals that, that you thought that maybe you were like yeah this could be benefit for the game yeah well like the good thing is like i'm not tied to any publishers or have any contracts so i I, I'm, I'm, I'm free to share juice <laughs> and also I'm very much for helping the broader game development community too because this is a really really important aspect to game design you know anyone that's that's got a gem and starting to polish their gem will get approached by people yeah. wanting a 50% revenue split in that gem and I'll give you okay. some money and uh, yeah we've been approached by a lot of people um, some of the biggest publishers in the world people that you know I would have I would have just gone, it been in awe that they were even contacting me. So yeah, there's been a, like a lot of people knocking on the door. I, like, I just won't say anyone particular yeah, um, because also just because like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, to brag or anything, but it's just, there's just been so many. Um, but you know, their, their agenda is to make money. And realistically, if a lot of people are knocking your door trying to make, 
you know, trying to, you know, publish a game or trying to get in touch with you, it's because they see potential. Um, Lens Island is in a, in a very unique position simply because, you know, a lot of these publishers that are going, hey, we'll give you X amount, we'll give you a million dollars and, you know, and then you'll pay us all that back and then we'll take 50% of all your revenue or whatever. Um, it's just like, you know, we, they, they, they show all these examples of all these great things that they have done for all their games. And then, you know, I'll be like, hey, uh, Lens Island currently has more riskless than one of your games, you know. So how does that work? <laughs> like, yeah. it's like Lens Island and me spending zero dollars on marketing is outperforming their games that they've poured millions of dollars into. So this is something that I am like really, really passionate about is this, you know, if you have a good product, um, you can get so far with just that product selling itself and just being smart in the way you market it. You know, there's been a lot of YouTubers and a lot of people playing a game and showing it off. And that was just from sending a few emails and not paying a dollar. And uh, you can go really, really far without needing any publisher's help. And I think people don't quite understand just how far that they can go. Um, not needing some big, you know, company to sort of take you there. Because, uh, yeah, I, I've had friends that sort of signed away their souls and a lot of other people. And it's always for different reasons too, you know. Like some games would not be made without publishers. And in that case, publishers um, were, were the key to a lot of amazing games that just simply wouldn't exist. And everyone has different agendas and different sort of like plans for the future. So there's a, there's a, a lot of games that absolutely need publishers and publishers are all very, very different. And um, they can really utilize them. In, in, in our circumstance, it's like we, we've, we've had such a good, we've had such good feedback from the game. Like when we were part of the Steam Next Fest recently, giving out a free demo, um, I think it was around seven, 800 games in the Steam Next Fest. Many of them were AAA games and will the sixth most downloaded game in the whole festival and the top That's of awesome. the trending charts and everything. So, um, and I, you know, I didn't have a publisher. I didn't pay anyone to get there. Like I just, I, I just, you know, people just sort of were drawn to the game and I had the YouTube channel and stuff, which definitely helped, but it's amazing how far just a great product, you know, a great game yeah. can take you. And, uh, yeah. So like I, for me, it's like, it's like a, in the most cases it's like a hard no for a lot of those people um but i'm like if look uh, my door's always open to listen and you know maybe people have different ideas um but typical typical publisher agreements uh can be amazingly beneficial to like a small segment of people for the majority it's like you'd be better off going to like a venture capital firm or something else where it it it's just a smarter more long-term investment and it's not taking like chunks of revenue every single time you sell a game. I think there's there's a many different ways to fund a game, and like um, a lot of people think publishing is the only way. Uh, but you know, I, I funded the game just from saving up my money for six months to a year, and then that's how I and then Kickstarter. Um, so you know, there's lots of ways to do it. But yeah, like it's I could talk about publishers all day. To be honest, it's um, it's a really rocky road, and it's also like there's some amazing people out there, some amazing publishing companies that are really, really genuine people. But at the end of the day, like they're trying to make money, and if they see a product, they're trying to make money off your product, and they're trying to make it big and global and do all these things. And with that will come, you know, strings attached. And I don't want any strings attached to Lens Island ever. So that's just why we've just never gone down that route. But it is something to be really wary of. That, everybody um for positive and, and negative reasons but just yeah do your research if you're a game dev looking at publishing it sounds like uh and not to um not to pump up your tires a bit here but it sounds like like you know that you've got a like a good product like you said and you're confident in that product so i feel like some devs might not be quite as confident like they're 
they think they might have a good product, but they're not they're not quite confident enough to to back themselves, and that's maybe why they they go down that publishing sort of route. But it sounds like you've you know you're you're very you've got a, a strong belief in in uh, the potential for Lens Island, and that's allowed you to I guess stay true and to your roots, and you know ward off any any tasty uh, um, people looking for for a piece of your pie. Um, yeah yeah look for the most part uh, yeah and that's why i said we are in a bit of a unique position and, and just lucky you know we're very lucky and very grateful that the position we're in um although yeah i think people typically can be sitting on something that's a lot more valuable than they think and they could probably go a lot further than they think in general um but yeah th- there's th- there are some games and some creatives out there that could do amazing things um by having a publisher like, I, I have a background in marketing too so i sort of understand the realm of how to sell something <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's, it's easier for me yeah the would you do a kickstarter a lot of people that i speak to they say the kickstarters are sometimes not quite worth the effort in your experience would you yeah let's say you do a second game would you go back and do another kickstarter no i wouldn't i wouldn't do a kickstarter for a second game that's because if we did a second game like we'd just have the money just to build it ourselves um though like you know if, if i could wind back time i absolutely would do kickstarter again uh, that's also out of necessity like we had to do kickstarter you know we, we needed some sort of you know supplement funding from somewhere and, and kickstarter was perfect for that it was it was absolutely worth it for us and like i guess in more like typical business terms and also something that would um be a lot more attractive for publishers right as publishers are looking for like a, a proven market fit and they're looking for you know if you've got a product what's to say people are going to buy that product and kickstarters are a perfect platform to prove your market fit it's you know it, it's, it's going people want this game and they're investing in it and we have an audience and we have people that are interested so it also if you just if you want a publisher kickstarter can be a perfect sort of launch pad um to gain some more notoriety and gain some more confidence in a project um to then move on to bigger and better things because publisher or whatever sort of funding partner could be more confident in your project now that it has some sort of backing uh but look i i'd say like if you make over a few thousand dollars like it's going to be worth it you know it'll take a it'll take a bit of time getting all the the material ready for the kickstarter and it, it you pour a lot of your time and effort into it although you know it also works both ways like as you're making the kickstarter you're sort of figuring out the finer details of the game yourself and sort of really increasing the resolution of the project and and sort of getting to understand it at a more that you know what is our elevator pitch like what is the title of the game like and you get to figure out all of these big points and how to sell the game so i'd say for most indies it's like a perfect little like marketing strategy sort of um I don't know, sort of showcase on like how to market your game and then you get a bit of money for it, you get excited people. So like, I think it's amazing. And if, if someone needs to do it, absolutely do it. It's a terrific launching pad for a game. Um, but if you already have money and you made games before, um, then it's essentially just a marketing effort. You know, you don't need the money. You're just sort of doing that market fit and you're just basically just, you know, putting in like casting the line and just seeing if anything bites and seeing if people are interested in the game. So it's really just like a trial more than it is like an actual money raising effort that's uh yeah i'm i had a question but it's, i've completely gone uh gone blank but i'll just quickly go with an with another one um so flow studio is yourself and uh martin or is it just yourself um yeah well yeah so so martin works with flow studio um so but and then we have a 
so it's it's two developers making lens island that make it all day but we have a couple of helping hands we have lars who's made all the the soundtrack and all the music he's in norway and then we have um ivan and he's in germany and he's helped out here and there with some some like graphic shaders and some more like other bits and pieces uh but fact it, it's you know it's two developers that sit down all day and make the game and then we get a, a few helping hands here and there um, but it's effectively two people flow studio currently before that you started making lens lens island um have you did you work on any other projects did you dabble in any other like prototypes or Pro- yeah prototypes yeah i think the the thing that originally sparked the origin of lens island because I, I worked on lens island for about two plus years by myself and then i brought on martin because i I realized the immensity of the project and I went, oh, there's no way I'm making this by myself. And um, Martin was actually my programming lecturer in university. Like he taught me programming. So, you know, the perfect person to, <laughs> to get on board. And uh, yeah, like the, the thing, the core idea that sparked Lens on is because I kept making prototypes for games and I kept sort of dabbling and I would make little prototypes. Like I, I used to skateboard my whole childhood. So I, kept, I loved making skateboarding games and all sorts of random types of games, uh, though they wouldn't lead to anything. And I would sort of make, I could finish them to you know, 50, 80% and then stop and then move on to the next thing. And I really just wanted to finish a game. I just sort of told myself, okay, I'm going to set a really big goal for a big game. and I'm going to finish it to 100% because I'm sick of just half making games. I'm sick of making prototypes. Um, it's definitely, I wouldn't suggest doing that. You know, I, I, I got lucky and it's definitely not like a, a probably a, a good way to approach making a release, like a big title release. Although, you know, everything at this point has just been a bonus for me. You know, I just, I just wanted to finish Lens Island. That was the, the core goal behind it um, because I was sick of not, I was sick of not completing any of my other games because I, it's the first proper game I've ever made, you know, outside of little prototypes by myself, outside of, you know, games making in university. Um, I've made art and helped out in some other game um, studios, but I've I've never worked on a get like an official release and actually made one myself. So, look, it's yeah. If Lens Island gets completed, which it will, I'll be you know that that's tick. It's it's job done. Everything above that's a yeah. Everything above that's a bonus. So so Martin, uh, you say he was your university teacher. So that that's a pretty good um, psychic to have. You know, with with I would assume he's got tons of knowledge and experience in, in um, game design. Are there any other uh, people, in, in, I guess, in the, in the Australian community that you can sort of reach out to and, you know, spitball ideas with or, or do you just sort of just back yourself in and cross-check with, uh, with Martin? Um, yeah, for the most part, I guess we're somewhat isolated and we just sort of cross-check amongst ourselves like i do have you know a few, a few friends around australia that are in the game design industry um but I, I don't really have any mentors or people to bounce ideas off like i also just for the most part like i've never really been a person that looks outwards for for like direction i i sort of like to sort of do my own thing and then listen to like the direct sources of information and for me that's just been the community and listening to the community as far as like the business and the marketing and all that sort of side of game development i've, I've got a good handle on and that's just been sort of you know throughout my career history um the and then all the stuff to do with the game and all the game design choices i just listen to the community and then martin and i talk amongst each other and we have a lot of like very heated passionate conversations um figuring out you know the, the most minute of details like oh should trees fall away from you when they when when you chop them or should they fall this way or should they do damage to the player and you know and it's like these these sort of diplomatic solutions that sort of have helped to create 
uh, what I believe a really good game because we're both really, really passionate. I've also had a very clear vision from day one. And then now I get someone who sort of plays the devil's advocate and can sort of like, you know, be in my ear and sort of second guess every single thing. I, and I yeah. sort of have to prove myself. I sort of have to go, oh, I think these mechanics will work because of these reasons. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess just the, the community and working together, It's it's been somewhat isolated, though. Um, I, I don't really associate too much <laughs> with the greater community, to be honest. Yeah, OK, um, I just want to go I want to go right, right, right back um, to when you were a child and uh, just talk about how you kind of got into video games and what sort of kickstarted that passion and desire to, to want to be a game dev. Yeah. I, I was, I was always like very creative and had sort of like an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, when I was a kid, I, I was, I was always into photography and I like sort of video editing. So I'd make little like skateboard videos and I made my own like, uh, like filming company <laughs> and I uh, made a logo for that. I'd make videos for my friends doing like BMX and skateboarding tricks and things. And, and that sort of like that creative sort of that creative gene inside of me had just always flourished. I'd always loved drawing and building things and all of that. And I sort of naturally got into the whole graphic design thing out of gaming. I think my first introduction to gaming like when I was really young, I used to love like RTS games, like Diablo and like the original Age of Empires, the original Warcraft. They were like, that was my jam. And then also like the original Doom and like Hexen, Heretic and like the, some of those like real old first person shooter games. But I, it was also my dad, like my dad was the person who brought me into those games. I remember, you know, him like first creating my Steam account for me <laughs> and, you know, like me and him playing Call of Duty, like the first Call of Duty on like a LAN and things like that. And yeah, that was really special for me. And then I think it just sort of naturally, I naturally grew this, this love for games. And then I always had that creative side as well. So it, I guess it was only a matter of time before they sort of, you know, melded to one. And uh, yeah, I, look, I've, I've had many gaming addictions throughout my life. You know, I, I traded hats in Team Fortress 2 when I was 12, <laughs> trying to like make money manipulating the Steam market. And then I, you know, used to stay up in the middle of the night playing Rust and play all these other games. So I've definitely had my fair share of, you know, gaming experiences. And then now I guess it's time to, to make games in, instead of playing them because I, I don't really play any games anymore if i do it's for 10 minutes to be like oh okay so that's how they've made that ui menu and then i close it and then go back to making mine what's the uh what's what's the last game you've played uh properly like a game that you've wanted to you, you go okay i've got to play the last part two or god of war or zelda or whatever yeah um it, it would it would actually be rust because that <laughs> was that was like my calling back in the day when it very first came out and then it was probably about six months ago where it, things were just getting rough for Lens Island. I was like, I was just, you know, burning out. And I thought, oh, I just need like that rust fix. So I just was staying up all night, one night, just playing rust. And it was just beautiful. I loved it. And then I, and then I uninstalled the game and just never played it again because <laughs> I, I can't have, I can't have this in my life. Like this is, I've got other stuff to do here. <laughs> so yeah, I've never been too much of a single player game. For me, games were, um, were either coming from like an artistic standpoint, like games, you know, like Limbo and like, like games are just really just like visually catch, catching and just sort of immersed you in the world. Although like a social thing where you're chatting to your friends, playing Call of Duty or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I'd Rust and then before that, maybe Stardew Valley. Okay. Uh, and then no games for a long time before that. <laughs> yeah. You uh, mentioned that your uh, your dad helped set up your Steam account. What do they think of Lens Island? Is, uh, yeah, I think, a, a <laughs> I think 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think they're my number one fans, to be honest. Like, my dad messages me every, you know, once a week, be like, oh, hey, Julian, I found this axe and I built this little home. Here's a screenshot. So it's been really, it's been really awesome. I think that having really supportive people around me and having such a supportive family has been just really paramount to um, sort of letting me flourish creatively. You know, my mum was the person that ripped me out of school and put me in a graphic design course because she could see I was distressed and I wanted to go down that path so i owe a lot of it to them and just sort of opening up these pathways for me and you know they were the they were the first people to back the game on kickstarter like they were there at the computer ready and like you know having a big celebration for it and all of that so it's been it's been amazing it's been really really special having their help and and also just friends and family in general have been um sort of like a a really nice anchor while i've been doing all of this yeah that's uh that's awesome when um yeah, when parents and friends and family sort of get invested, I guess, uh, in what you're what you're making. So you touch on the RTS uh, background that you kind of did uh, that you used to play in Diablo, and that if you had to pick three games that you would say uh, Lens Island has got ingredients from, would it be Diablo? What are the other or what are the three sort of main? inspirations and influences for for lens island because there's like we said there's there's a lot going on yeah it's it's really hard to boil it down to three <laughs> I, I would say well you just say um that. yeah i'd say the main ones would be like you said diablo sims minecraft and uh team fortress 2 okay all I'd right, say yeah. four yeah um all for different reasons because i like very much pick apart specific systems that i like out of games and then team fortress 2 just the items and the inventory and that whole ecosystem around collecting things. It's like, I love that in games, you know, Minecraft for the open world and the, just the creativity and, you know, the crafting systems, Diablo for the comp- combat and the, and just like the world building and everything. And then Sims for the home building. And, and it's that, it's that sort of creative outlet. So yeah, like honestly, Lens Island is just sort of the natural endpoint that comes from, playing the games that I've played uh, it's just sort of like an expression of all of the different pieces of those games that I enjoyed and then just putting them all together with uh with Lens Island is it uh is there a right and a, is there a right and wrong way to play it so if I wanted to purely just to farm build ha- houses not have to go and explore uh is that something that you can do or, or does the game kind of encourage you to go you know in, into these caves and explore that part of it yeah, so you absolutely can do that. And we, that was a very purposeful design decision where we wanted it so people could flourish in different segments of the gameplay. Like if someone just wants to become like a farming mogul and make 100 pumpkin farms and that's how they make all their money, they can absolutely do that. And then they can use that money from their pumpkins to buy the best weapons in the game and go down into the dungeons and just be a baller, just like slashing through stuff. And the game is, you know, so people can, it's sort of like choose your own difficulty, which is something that I've, I think is like a really neat part of game design when it's built into the sort of the structure of the game where someone can go straight into the dungeons when they've got nothing and they've just got the worst sword in the game and they can choose it to, you know, they can choose that experience or you can choose to be a farmer, you can choose to be a home builder and you can choose to make experiences easier or harder for yourself. And you can spend 90% of the gameplay just farming or just building a home or just fighting. And 
I, I guess the, the main thing that we, the responsibility that I feel like we've had as developers is to constantly be sort of being teasing the other areas of the game and sort of like suggesting to try them, you know, because you can go down into the mines where there's no enemies and just get your coal and iron and then, and then dip. <laughs> Although we're sort of teasing you constantly like, oh, why don't you just, you know, walk a little bit down that path? And, you know, there mm. might be a couple enemies, but it won't, so, it won't be too bad. And, and trying to sort of encourage people to go out of their comfort zone a little bit and explore those other areas of the gameplay because... Lens Island is best enjoyed, you know, when you when you sort of get the full experience, though you can absolutely just spend your time immersed in one sort of aspect and um, and have just as a rewarding experience and, and, and go really far throughout the game as well. So you uh, you also mentioned before that, you know, there's uh, the full game, uh, or sorry, the um, the full build that, that is in the works at the moment has like a big town and, and stuff like that. Can you... I, I I would assume you could interact with other people in the world and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there's some NPCs and you can do some quests and trade with them and talk to them. Yeah. Can you um, can you like form teams or like um, you know, so let's say that you wanted to go underground and you know attack a certain section of of the, the caves. Can you go? Hey, do you want to come and help me attack this? Whatever. Um, you know, how, how sort of deep is that system? So yeah, not currently. Um, I would say it's definitely one of the parts of the game where we've sort of we've built it into the game, and a lot of the content updates that we'll continue to do will really be fleshing out and really adding a lot of content to that area. So you can trade and talk to NPCs, and you can do quests and do a lot of basic stuff. Though, like the whole town is is more or less sort of like a big trading post and a big marketplace and sort of like a hub to sort of buy and sell items and just check in and and and. Uh, as the game progresses, yeah, as the game or play play blackjack, you know, versus a pirate or blackjack or something. So there's a few little mini games and things you can do, and the goal is just to continue doubling down and pun intended, and keep um, sort of like filling that with more and more content. And uh, so, like, funny that you say that because one of the aspects of content we are planning to include uh, soon after early access release is um, some people sort of trapped down in the caves and the dungeons and you can go rescue them and give them little sort of huts on the island to live in and they can sort of limb, live, you know, simultaneously on the island and sort of, you know, give you some stuff in return and there will be that further level of interaction with the people in the town as the game progresses um, and it's something we're really excited to dive into further as we as we progress the game too. Can, are you working towards, or is it possible for the game to be played with a controller? Because I'm pretty borderline terrible at mouse and keyboard controls. <laughs> and I went to, when I went to play for the, the first time, I picked up the controller and I was like, that's not doing anything, is what's going on? And then, and then I quickly realized that it's, uh, it's a mouse and keyboard job, but, um, is that something yes. that, that is possible? Yep. Yeah. And then even even going on from the demo that you played, we've, we've now enabled... So we have a secondary like WASD keyboard scheme. So there's two different ways of playing the game. You would have played it with the mouse, which is the it's the sort of the, the mouse or a controller is the way it's intended to be played. Although there's a lot of WASDs out there that are diehard WASD fans, which is, you know... Um, I totally understand because it's it's a it's a really nice way to play games. So we have that too. But yeah, the, we're not sure if we'll get controller out for release. There will at least be partial controller support for early access release. But it will be added. It's one of the top priorities to be added essentially as soon as possible. So at some point soon, that absolutely will. You'll be able to have a, a varying different ways of sort of controlling the game um, because we would love to launch it on different platforms at some stage as well. 
Yeah, that, that was going to be uh, a question I had a bit here for later, but now that you've brought it up, yeah. So is there any particular platforms that you would uh, prefer to focus on? Like is PlayStation something that you would love to work with or Xbox or, or Switch um, or just whatever you can get sort of the game out on? Yeah, like we're pretty open. We don't have any specific preferences. Although just as as like a gameplay perspective, the game would just work really, really well on a Switch or Steam Deck, like a, a mobile sort of console. Um, it's one of those games, you know, uh, just like the... Um, oh, what's the recent farming game that's blown up since COVID? Uh, I forget uh, the name now. Um, no. Um, I it's not remember. Farmville, but it's, <laughs> it's whatever. I forget. Anyway, it'll come to me. But yeah, it, it would be perfect for that. Uh, I think Lens Iron would work really, really well as, as a mobile game. So yeah, we've been, all the background systems that we've been making, we've been leaving it open to be able to play it on a console. It just takes a little, it takes like that extra 10% of work and effort to sort of get it there. And it's something that we sort of have to sacrifice a little bit because we're like, okay, we just need to get the game done and then we can add in all these, you know, luxuries. Uh, that I think it would work really, really well on those mobile platforms. Uh, and it would work perfectly fine on, PlayStation and Xbox and any other consoles too. Um, I don't really have any preference and just sort of, you know, whatever the people want and whatever's best for the game is my main priority. We, uh, you spoke about publishers before, but what if Phil knocked on your door and had a big stack of cash and said, we want to bring Lens Island to Game Pass? <laughs> look, I don't know. I'd, I look, I'd, I won't say yes or no, because it could, co- like, if it coincided with our vision for the game, then like yeah absolutely like it would be silly not to so it all just depends it, if, if if someone was trying to force our decision to make a a bad what well, what i would call a bad decision for the game or the people playing the game and you know the only reward is money then it's it's a hard no so it all comes down to just you know um how the game is best played and what the people want and if it and if it can sort of fit within that um because currently like you know uh, we I don't have any plans to launch on any platforms. We we want to, but we don't have any sort of allegiance yeah. to anybody. Um, so it's like you know, if we absolutely love Xbox and I prefer that controller and I think it's a great way to play Lens Island, and then Xbox comes knocking on our door saying, "Hey, we want to bring it to Xbox." You know, cool, perfect. Um, but you know, it, it would always have to it would always have to be you know with our vision and. You know, just with like, I, I don't, I don't want to upset people. I, I want to make sure that the game is like best played and people are happy. So, yeah, I, I, look, I've, I could have taken some great checks um, already, and I would have, I would have had to sacrifice a lot of parts of the game. Yeah. So I, I'm already sort of built up a threshold to turning down um, checks from companies, and I'll continue to do so probably for a long time. The so yeah, it sounds like you got a lot, of, a lot of big plans for post early access. If the game takes off in early access and sells, like you know, sells really well, would you possibly look at bringing on more developers to kind of you know, build out that team and I guess get the game done faster? Or are you just, or are you pleased with just the two of you at the moment? I absolutely, bring on more people. Yeah, like I mentioned before, it's just it's just not sustainable with the with the sort of the workforce we have right now. So the the plan for me really realistically is to just the second you know, we start selling the game and get some cash is, you know, getting an office and hiring some, and also like something that's been really core to me um, is trying to get to give some more jobs back to the Brisbane community. Cause you know, I studied here and I know just how many amazing creatives and programmers and how many just awesome game developers there are that just don't have jobs in the industry. And there's just not many going. So I would, it's my dream to, to sort of 
give back to that and help sort of create a place where I can give some of these amazing people jobs. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. But the plan is to grow the team um, like quite rapidly because we also have big plans to, you know, making Lens Island multiplayer, rebuilding it from, you know, the ground up with a new engine and all these plans, you know, they're big grand plans that are going to take a lot of help. Um, so the, the studio would absolutely expand, although I definitely want to keep it a, a tight knit group of sort of, you know, aces in their places is something I always say, because I just, yeah, sort of getting people, I want it's really fundamental to keep um, everyone working on Lens Island, everyone in Flow Studio, that are just people that just, uh, a tight knit group of people that love games and love the games they're working on and are passionate and are just good at what they do. And um, so yeah, so it won't be too big, but we'll, we will absolutely need some help. It's it's gonna, yeah, I, ca I can't take the, the 14 hour days too much longer. It's just like, well, it, yeah, we need some help. And um, I can't wait to get some, it'll, it'll be really nice. Yeah, we, we touched on sort of COVID very, 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 very briefly uh, at the beginning of the chat and how it's not really affected you. I feel like game design has, you know, survived relatively well, especially indie development because, you know, they're not in huge, massive offices. But you did touch on that you would love to get an office um, that's not your your uh, bedroom or side or second bedroom. Yeah. Um, that could be a bit of a challenge these days um, just with sort of everything, everything that's going on. I guess you're lucky because Brisbane hasn't been as affected as other places, but are you concerned that possibly that if you uh, get an office and then another outbreak or lockdown or whatever comes across and it's sort of, it's almost wasted, wasted money, if you want to call it that? Yeah, look, honestly, I'm just not real. I'm not too concerned at all. Um, the, the flip side of that is, uh, unfortunately, so many businesses have had to close and so many people have to break leases, which means uh, renting is really cheap. You know, there is just because I, I, I was looking at stuff uh, a, a year ago and a couple of years ago, just trying to dip my feet in and sort of get an idea of what's out there. And it's just there's 10 times the amounts of offices uh, available for rent and to buy at the moment. And they're all at half the price. So it's actually a a lot of indie developers or any business, it's a great time to harness this as an opportunity to sort of get in at the ground floor. Um, and as well as that too, like, you know, the main reason that I, I really can't wait to build an office is because just nothing quite matches a bunch of people, you know, butting their heads in the same room and thinking together as one and being like this living, breathing family that can sort of just instantly communicate and turn around and share ideas. Uh, though we've built the game, you know, uh, with people on the other side of the world and we've, we've built it in this sort of disjointed way up until this point anyway. So even if even if we get to work in the office for a week and then we get shut down for a month and then we get to work in the office for two weeks and we get shut down for a month, that's still way better than just only working, you know, in, in our own separate places or, you know, satellite studios, whatever. Um, for me, any time we get in the office is beneficial and will greatly benefit the game, even if it's not 100% of the time. Um, it's just, yeah, there's nothing that just quite beats just a room full of, you know, motivated, creative people thinking together. It's just really special. I think, I think that would also allow you to maybe have a bit of separation between work and work and, um, and life and like, you know, your home life, I guess now, cause you're at home pretty much all the time and the, the studios, you know, in your house, you, you're like, I feel guilty for not working on the game because it's you know like it's right here whereas yeah i think if you um are working in an office it's much easier to sort of go home and do your own thing sort of thing 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You describe that perfectly, and that, and that is the reality of the situation. You know, if I'm if I'm struggling to sleep one night, I'm going, oh, why am I laying here doing nothing when I could just go work on the game for an hour, and and that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, and, and that that has a, a lot of really sort of negative feedback loops that can be quite destructive as well. So it's something that you know there has been this really really big push for. Um, and it's it's obviously not a choice. Like people are being forced to to work at home. And I think t- especially towards the start of when this sort of started happening throughout lockdowns and everything, a lot of people saw it as something really fun and playful and interesting and new. And oh, I get to just work in my PJs and you know go around my house. And then I think after a while it started to and like personally and other people that I know, like it's it starts to catch up on you. Like it it has a lot of things where if you don't have a, a structure and you're not diligent enough. Um, it can negatively impact your life really significantly. So having that barrier between work and life balance is really key to just staying happy and productive as well. Uh, so, you know, the game will probably end up being made sometimes from people's bedrooms and sometimes from an office, but just at least having the choice between the two. Yeah. I definitely, definitely agree because my day job is relatively stayed the same, like the same routine. I get up, leave the house to go to work, come back and, you know, it's... Um, it's home time, so I feel like the lockdowns. All you know, they they haven't haven't been great. They haven't quite as probably affected me as much as a lot of other people who are stuck at home all the time, um, which would just be drive you mad eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So just just on the on that sort of you said that you wanted to give back to the the Brisbane community there. Overall, what's your feeling on the actual games industry in Australia? Because there are tons of creative and you know, um, excellent studios and, and games that are being made here, but it feels like that the government doesn't quite realise that or or doesn't appreciate that yet. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, room for improvement at a federal and probably at state levels as well. But do you have any thoughts on on where and how um, the industry here can, can improve? Yeah, like, I'm just trying to think, because I, I have, you know, some personal friends that have, their games funded by government bodies here in Australia. So I, I do think the government's doing some decent efforts to to fund games and be sort of in that culture. And I think for a large part, like games are still sort of new media. It's like, I feel like the world as a whole and culture as a whole is still playing this game of catch up and, and we're starting to catch up, but it's taken a while. So I'm not surprised that every government around the world probably lags behind a little bit as far as, you know, you know, let, let's say, for example, the film industry for funding versus games, you know, um, because, you know, in most circumstances, games is starting to surpass film as far as the money being brought into countries. And uh, and usually the funding doesn't represent that at all. Saying that, though, like I'm very much a sort of proponent of, you know, carve your own way forward. Um, so. You know, I like I, cho- I chose not to sort of even apply for funding. I did look into it, and it's something that I really thought about. Um, but you know, L- Lens Island wouldn't have been changed with or without government funding, and y- you can still absolutely make things happen with or without help from the government. It's definitely would be nice, and I, I think Australia probably need just yeah needs needs more. I just I wouldn't have any ideas on how to make it better, especially because we've sort of made Lens Island in such isolation, and I that's just how I work, and that's how I. You know, I just sort of do things myself and I carve my own path forward and I don't really like people telling me what to do or giving me handouts or anything or any sort of help. I just, I'm just stubborn like that. So yeah, like as far as I think the main 
the, the main sort of gap that I see isn't really to do it like a like a government level. It's really more of sort of like an industry level where I think I think like game design studios as like private companies have responsibilities to create just create thriving workplaces and create cultures and create happiness and fulfillment within people. And that's something that is really, really important to me personally. So, you know, when I, when I think about creating Flow Studio, I think about all the people's sort of, you know, career goals that I can help achieve and all the people that I can help flourish in their creative fields and help do what they want to do and make their dreams come true. And that's what really makes me motivated and excited on a personal level. And I, and I think every sort of studio has a responsibility to to really make that happen and treat it as something really serious as well, is sort of investing in the people and keeping them happy and, and not just treating game developers like workhorses and, and just treating them like machines at an assembly line. Um, so on a personal level, you know, I'm just trying to um, make people as, as happy and sort of as fulfilled in a general sense as possible. And that's what I think every game developer's role should be. If you're, if you're the head of a studio, it should be all about the people and not about the product. Because, you know, amazing games will naturally spark from motivated, passionate groups of people. Um, and you and you got to sort of nurture that and build it. I think um, one thing that uh, just to, when you mentioned how you would love to, to give back to the community, because, you know, you've seen that there's not maybe as many jobs sort of available. I personally think that's one thing that, increased support from a government can offer is that more incentive um, for people to take on game design as a career path because it feels like a lot of indies either start their own studio um, do contract work you know at like a ton of different places or a ton of different projects or they go overseas there's not sort of that retain uh, no, that's probably not the, that's probably not the right word but it just I it feels like it lacks the incentive to invite a lot of people to to pursue, pursue their dream unless you're in the position to like yourself to start a studio kind of thing yeah i get that I, I, and i think a large part of that is like the institutions and how we learn game design because there's a, a lot of the courses and universities and institutes that teach game design they're such new courses that have been made in the past five to 10 years and they're still figuring out core structures. Uh, like for example, you know, my university degree was essentially like a, an old school 3d animation degree that just sort of got adapted to game design on the fly. And a lot of universities are like that. And, you know, you go to, you go to like Seattle, for example, or Silicon Valley, or you, you go even, even in the UK, you go to all sorts of like Western countries that have game design degrees and their game design degrees set you up for working at a big studio that's 10 minutes down the road. Um, so like they have these really clear pathways forward and a lot of things that the, the major aspect that controls how you go to that pathway is your own will and your own motivation to do good work get good grades and become a, in, you know, an independent person that has amazing skills. Uh, with Australia, we just don't really have those, those pathways and those funnels sort of happening. Um, it's a lot more sort of behind closed doors. And then also like the, the learning itself is definitely just miles behind learning ever like most people that really take game design seriously you know just end up going to america uk or singapore um for opportunities because that's where they teach games properly and that's where they really do they have these perfect avenues to, to do all this so i think part of it's in the teaching part of it's in the the outcomes from the teaching as well because for me like you know i i actually tried to get <laughs> i tried to get an internship at a game design studio 
and I got it and then they never emailed me back <laughs> and then I was yeah so and I was like oh, okay this is fun um so I guess that's a no and then I just like oh, whatever and then I just um I went on my own path so I didn't really have a choice you know and most people don't have a choice but yeah. at least if if um if institutions became a bit more self-aware that there's not many jobs um and that you know is going to be a slow burning thing uh it would be great if uh, a lot of the degrees could essentially set indie developers up to be indie developers and sort of a get them ready for the real world um because yeah no no one for example when i finished university not a single person that was in my cohort or even a single person that i know is working in game design um they just weren't they weren't prepared for the real world and there was no opportunities for them um so they just sort of you know became a car salesman and uh yeah it's something that i would love to get some of those people and give them a job <laughs> <laughs> all right if let's say we go back five years whatever and lens island doesn't happen what uh what game would i be talking to you about now is there another project that you that uh, maybe could have uh, taken off or was it sort of always going to be Lens Island? It's a good question. Like it, for someone, it always was going to be Lens Island. Lens Island was sort of like what emerged when I told myself, you know, if I was to create a game, what would that game be? And it was sort of like a, a couple years of planning, of really slowly piecing together this sort of framework of, of Lens Island and the idea. Uh, I did my final project for university was a, uh, a two-player co-op game called Tension, where you're both two players are uh, tied by a rope and you have to sort of complete all these puzzles. And uh, it was just a really fun game. I had so much fun making it and a lot of people said it had some potential. So I've always, I think at the early stages, I dreamt about making that into a game one day. Yep. And then there's also, you know, like there's a part of me that's like, I'm going to make the new Rust. Or I'm going to make the new game that I'm interested in at that time. Although uh, so I think Led Island is probably the most sophisticated and sort of fleshed out idea that I've ever had. And it's the one that was worth doing. Um, so yeah, I honestly couldn't really imagine making anything else other than Lens Island, to be honest. I, I, I don't think I would be as as motivated um, because I'm just I'm just so immersed in Lens Island and everything that makes Lens Island, Lens Island is just, I'm just in love with it. Like all yeah. the aspects of the game, I'm just absolutely in love with and I love making it and it's all the things that I like. So uh, I have plenty of ideas for the future. Although, you know, Lens Island's my rock and I, I think it, I, yeah, I can't really picture it too many other ways. Awesome. So it's scheduled for October this year. Um, uh, November watching. 5th. Oh, oh so it's, it's actually got a date. There you go. It's uh, changed yeah. from my, uh, my notes here. Yep. We solidified that just the other day. We haven't, we haven't done a public announcement yet, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I've like subtly changed it on some websites to be like November 5th. Uh, so th that that's the official date. Okay, cool. So that's uh, and you're uh, that's pretty. Now that it's it's got a a date uh, rather than just just a month, you're confident of uh, nailing that date. Yeah, yeah. Like it. I think the the only thing that's um, the only thing with that has like uncertainty is just our expectations. Uh, realistically, we could probably release the game right now. I just wouldn't be personally proud of it. So we're just trying to get to that level. Like it, it's an amazing game and you, you could spend 50, 100 hours playing it or more easily uh, right now as, as, it, as it is right now um, or even, you know, previous versions. Though we just, that's the date that we need to make sure that we're proud of it. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to stick to it. And yeah, Lens Island will release in a capacity at that date. And, and it will it will probably, you know, take up your entire weekend and you probably won't sleep very much for a little bit. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So, and uh, Kickstarter backers, they they must be must be pleased. They're finally about to get their hands on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we'll we're giving we gave various demos to the Kickstarter backers, so they they actually got a demo of the game, um, like a year and a half ago. So we were actually sort of constantly updating them, and yeah, it might have been a, a sort of a breath of fresh air for a lot of people to actually, you know, be able to play a game from Kickstarter and not just be stuck in limbo for five years. So that was something we wanted to break the mold and, and let people know that this is real, it's happening, and really sort of incrementally show them what's happening. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to sort of bring them along with the journey, and they've all been really pleased and really happy. And, you know, some of the Kickstarter backers have designed swords and designed npcs in the game and have left all their little marks so it's been really it's been really fun to include that as well awesome awesome one thing i was going to ask, ask you just on the on the kickstarter is like i said you you did nearly double your funding what about your your campaign uh and the game do you think made that possible like do you think that your uh, sort of youtube channel background there or your uh marketing skills that you've uh, learned um do you think they like they obviously help it like what was the you know a couple of things that really drew people in mm. uh yeah like I, w- I would have to give a lot of the success to the, to the youtube to be completely honest um i would say like if someone's want, if an indie developer's wanting to um to sort of take on kickstarter like you sort of have two avenues um it's like one you have some sort of platforms that you can utilize which i already had the youtube channel or maybe your friends are youtuber maybe you get lucky enough to be able to reach out to people and have some sort of platform for people with a lot of you know fans or sort of viewers to, to sort of share it or you have to sort of go down the more like traditional marketing route you know pay there's a lot of like specific kickstarter marketing firms that might you know you pay them x amount of dollars and they'll you know make sure they get a lot of eyes on your campaign uh, we, we didn't pay anyone anything and i just sort of did it all myself but i was lucky enough to be able to sort of hinge off the youtube channel and the audience that i've already built and that's why the dev diaries were so important um is yeah building a community from day one because like if you're realistically like if you're trying to start a kickstarter having no community yet and the kickstarter is your entry um to sort of the you know the wide world it, it's going to be really hard and you know you either need a really really big audience that's ready to show it to or you have to spend a whole lot of money just sort of marketing it to the marketing it to the masses um otherwise it's going to be like incredibly hard like you just have to be the 0.001 percent to get lucky enough that it just builds up momentum on itself um so like realistically you know I, i've got the i've got the youtube and our, our prior you know sort of audience to thank for a lot of that because it, it really it was like i rec- i remember seeing the kickstarter tick over and just seeing all the names of like subscribers and people that i already know of and i would go oh i remember seeing that person comment on a lot of the videos and and it's just like it was all familiar faces and it was all people that have been fans of of like me personally on the youtube channel and then also th- of, of the studio and of the game um throughout that whole sort of progress so building that up earlier w- was sort of what made it happen. Would you say, well, I guess I should know, I'll ask this as a question. What has been your career highlight to date? Hmm. Career highlight to date. That's a, it's a really good and hard to answer question. <laughs> I would like, I would say that, you know, Launchy Leds Island will be hopefully my career highlight. Um, that's sort of what I've, I put all my eggs into that basket. So it's, to be completely honest, like I'm a very goal-oriented person, and everything in everything in my past, I just don't really care too much for. It's all about sort of 
aligning myself for the future. So, like, you know, like I've got the, the plaque sitting behind me and I got all the stuff with the, the YouTube and all of that. And I'm definitely proud of it. And I worked really, really hard to get it, though. It's all... Um, it's all just a vehicle to sort of make Lens Island happen and to sort of set up the rest of my life and to set up, you know, my career aspirations. So hopefully Lens Island is that peak. Um, I would say otherwise, yeah, probably, you know, building the YouTube and seeing that flourish and grow and, and sort of hitting those milestones. Um, Cause we, I think we're at, you know, 250,000 uh, subscribers now. So it's seeing that grow. And then also, also like being able to pivot from just myself teaching people how to use Photoshop and then to pivot to a game studio releasing game dev diaries. That was something that was, I was just so immensely thankful for that people, I guess, liked me and my skills enough as a person that they liked whatever I was creating. So they went, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if Julian's making a tutorial or making, you know, teaching you how to make this illustration or if he's making a game, like I'll follow him. And that was like, I was just, incredibly grateful it was one of those moments where i think making the first couple lens island videos and some of them got a lot of views and a lot of people really loved it was one of those moments where i just felt like this immense amount of relief and i just felt so proud and happy they went oh okay like this can this can happen like people like this and they and they like seeing this and this is actually something that i can i can do um so i would say you know it's not the most like sexy highlight of my career, <laughs> but it's definitely one of the ones that just really sort of like resonated with me where I was just thankful that people um, liked Lens Island and they liked, you know, that they were sort of along for the ride. That that was really, really nice. Just, yes, yeah, seeing, seeing the fruits of those first couple videos sort of actually work out. And I went, man, like this video of this random game that I've just shown people for the first time got more videos than my how to use Photoshop video. Like that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, very, very thankful for that. That's one of the big highlights. What's, uh, what's been the biggest challenge for you since I guess you started developing the game seriously? Like um, is it like managing sort of all the hats that you have to wear as an indie dev, you know, responding to emails, doing the marketing, um, making the game, um, rejecting publishers, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, which, um, yeah. Um, yeah, like I would. So I, I think before I started on the game, I thought the biggest challenge just simply would be the game, and I think a, a good comparison is probably like raising a child. I'm not a father myself. My my close friends have a a four month year old, and I've I've had a few people in my life have kids recently, and it's one of those things where it's like when you're raising a kid. Um, it's a lot of hard work and you have a lot of sleepless nights, but it's all out of necessity. And like the actually raising the kid part isn't the hard part. It's, you know, keeping yourself level-headed and dealing with the rest of your life is the hard part. And I think it's the exact same thing with games. It's, you know, I just got to, I just do what I need to do. I just make the game and I, if I don't know how to do something, I will figure it out and I will do it. And that's not too hard. Um, the hard part is really just like keeping my health, you know, staying healthy <laughs> like mentally and physically and keep it just just staying as a, you know a fully functioning happy human being because it, it really takes a lot from you it's it's almost impossible to give you know a hundred percent of yourself uh, well if you do decide to give a hundred percent of yourself to a game you know you've got zero percent for everything else so i think by far the hardest part has just been uh juggling life um, throughout all of it and it's it affects everyone differently it affected me in like some pretty significant ways you know where the port to the point where like I effectively had a heart attack and I was you know 
dying in an ambulance uh, not too long ago. So yeah, like it's like prolonged stress and anxiety can really eat at you in some very significant ways. And, and it has for me too. And I've really learned from that. So yeah, it's probably the one word of caution I'd have to anybody sort of taking on a feats like this is just, you know, stay healthy, you know, eat healthy, sleep regularly, um, keep your social life, you know, keep your marriage or your relationship together if you have one and, you know, take your dog for a walk or go outdoors and like, and do all those things that keep you sane and happy and don't let go of them and have a lot of structure because it's unfortunately one of those things that a lot of people give up and I've given up. And it's really hard. It's really, really rough, you know, it's especially when you've got a lot of people yelling at you, telling you how to make your game. You know, it's 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 like, it's very easy to forget that behind a lot of these indie games, there's some person that's, you know, like living off like this tiny little thread, <laughs> sort of keeping it all together. And then there's like all these people going like, do it this way, do it this way, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fortunately enough, we've had a lot of amazing people that have been really positive and, and given us great feedback. So it hasn't been too hard or anything in that sense uh, though. Yeah, it's just really um, everything else, all the other aspects of life that take a hit because of doing the game. That's what's been the biggest challenge by far. How do you... Uh respond i guess or, or deal with that with that negative criticism that um you know that does occur sometimes because obviously lens island's not not going to be for everyone um you know with anything creative there's always people that, that won't um you know it, it's not a project that's for them but they all you know they they have to share their thoughts you know even though that they're negative but I, it, it sounds like you haven't had too many or too much of that, um, but, you know, do you, do you just sort of brush it off or do you go, oh, this person doesn't, you know, hates the way Len moves, so maybe we need to look into how, you know, why and fix it or something? Yeah, look, I, I think that the number one thing that every developer can do is, you know, if someone's really passionate about something and, you know, if, if they're passionate in a negative way, they're still passionate, which means, you know, your game has taken up a little piece of the, their heart <laughs> and their mind and they have something to be passionate about which is ultimately a good thing so what, what I try and do is trying to read into the core of why people are expressing passionate opinions and try really unpack it and figure it out and really try and take my own ego and my own emotions and their ego and their emotions out of it and think at, at their core it's someone that is trying to like this game and they don't like it and these are the reasons they don't like it and are these things that we need to fix. I was, I guess, lucky because I had, you know, years and years of YouTube of people, you know, saying your voice sounds weird. I hate Australians. <laughs> and that sort of, you know, sort of prepared me for it a little bit. And, um, <laughs> but with, with the game, it was definitely, I, we sort of lived in a bubble for a little bit throughout the whole YouTube dev diaries because I just had this really um, enthusiastic, positive audience on YouTube that just really just had really if they ever had something critical to say it was really constructive and really thoughtful and i really appreciate it i really appreciate it and and we would think deeply about the things that people would say but then when we put it onto steam um and part of the next fest you know we had around 180,000 people play the game in a week and it's like you know you get that many people playing the game from around the world and uh you're going to have a lot of you know opinions and a lot of very passionate people so i remember just like reading the steam forums for the first time and i was like man like 
steam forums is just like martial law like this is crazy <laughs> it's just like a, a wild west out here yeah. <laughs> because apparently on steam forums you know all the people that love the game to go that was a great game and then they turn off the game and close steam and all the people that hate the game go straight onto the steam forums and tell you how much they hate it yeah. so it took it it took a little bit to adjust to it um although i i've definitely i learned very very quickly um to really analyze and f- thoughtfully sort of like unpack why people think these certain ways for example like wasd i didn't think it was a big deal and i thought oh just learn to play the game with a mouse like it's not that hard <laughs> and then i had all of the people going like you need to add wasd or you're the worst person in the world and i hate you blah blah, blah. and um and my first initial reaction was like oh like no it's a mouse game and then very very quickly i thought you know these are all people that love the game and they're passionate and they're trying to give me feedback and i I just need to take it on. So yeah, from day one, we're always deconstructing people's feedback. Um, it's a lot harder when it's negative and someone yelling at you, although it's it's still the same feedback and you need to treat it in the same way. Whether it's positive or negative, it's all valuable and it's all you know your player base. So you can't just listen to the positive things and then block out the negative things. You have yeah. to listen to all of it and then find the middle ground and find where's the, where the majority sits. So I... I'm to the point now where I love people hating the game because for me, it's just like instant ways that I can make the game better. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I've watched just about every single Let's Play of Lens Island on YouTube, just like sitting there analyzing how they're playing the game and what they're saying. And I'll just have like notes and I'll just be writing down, oh, they didn't like the way that that thing happened, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll sort of compile them all and figure out what what are the sort of like the, the general things that people are picking up on and their likes and their dislikes. And the game has become so much better because of that. And I think it's like the whole, like what No Man's Sky did, you know, they just got the feedback, however bad, however good, and made it useful and made the game better because of it. And that, and that's what we're trying to do and what I'll continue to do. So, you know, um, the, the best thing is to just take it on and really analyze it and not just, you know, start some sort of comment war with people yeah. of why you're, why you're right and they're wrong because no one's really right or wrong in game design. It's all subjective. Everyone has their own experiences and opinions especially in an open world game. You just do your best to sort of sift through that. All right, a couple more before we uh, wrap it up. Do you have any uh, humorous or funny sort of tales from, from the game's development that you can sort of share any bugs that have made you go, what the f- just happened there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- I would, I would say one of the continually humorous parts of the game is um, <laughs> uh, Martin and myself definitely are just like, we're just, we, we think of ourselves as comedians, so we're constantly just joking <laughs> all the time, all day, we're trying to keep it lighthearted, and one of our little injections of that in Lens Island is trying to make humorous item names and item descriptions for all the weapons so coming up with new names for things throughout the game has always been such a funny experience where i just be we won't just be seeing our headphones on making something and they'll quickly take my headphones off go hey martin what should we call this sword and then we'll just like stop everything we're doing and then just brainstorm just like the most dumb ideas for like this (laughs) name of the sword for 15 minutes and then come up with just a ludicrous name that's just this really silly or some you know pun some dad joke or something yeah. like that and uh, yeah that's been a way to really keep development light-hearted and it's been a lot of fun look there's always there's always funny bugs but it's hard to it's <laughs> from a developer standpoint it's hard to approach bugs from a comedic standpoint and not just from a oh this bug <laughs> and then you go <laughs> try and fix it so usually usually that sort of stuff is just like more painful than funny um but we, we've really tried to include bits and pieces of our humor throughout the game and, and everyone like it it would be impossible to play Lens, play Lens Island and not see that. So yeah, a lot of funny conversations have helped craft um, all of those little injections of humor.
Is there a is there a uh, item name that you're that you're most proud of? Oh, there, there's several. One one that I always just love every time I say it is like there's this mace and we'll naming it's like part of a, a fisherman set of weapons. I think it was in the demo actually, and it's just called the angler dangler. And I don't know why. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny, and I just love because like the whole angler fish and it has like this sort of light on the end of it, and um. I really like that one, but there's also just like some terrible puns. Like for example, in in the full game, there's a claymore, and um and and you get tons of clay if you if you stab into clay, and then there's like a shield called Sir Blocks a lot, and like there's just a bunch of just like terrible names for the items, um that you know we love them because they're terrible. So I, I think Angler Dangler is is probably number one though. Awesome, I'm uh I'm keen to uh find them find them all. <laughs> I love a good dad joke. All right. Well, uh, last last one. Um, Lens Island, November fifth. You got uh, sounds like you got high hopes for it. Uh, what's something about what's what's the thing that you're most proud of with Lens Island from from sort of where you've taken it? You know, five six years ago as like a concept idea prototype to you know the verge of release. Uh, is there anything in particular that that you go? You know, I, I'm really proud of this or I think, I, I, yeah, I think the thing I'm most proud of is just the uniqueness of gameplay. I, I like I said, like we, you know, we, I, we draw these comparisons. I say, oh, it's sort of like amalgamation of these these types of games. But whenever I play Lens Island, it really just feels like Lens Island. Like it just feels like nothing else I've ever played, and it just feels like this really unique experience that I've just never felt playing any other game before. So I think that's the thing I'm most proud of is because it's it's something that's just incredibly hard to do in games is to not just be the game that's like this game but different, you know. Yeah. And creating sort of a, a new style of game in this new universe that just feels unique and different is really challenging. It's been very challenging for us. And that's by far what I'm most proud of is it's just it just feels like a new fresh experience that that constantly gives you things that constantly surprises you and feels new it's like when you you know um it, it's hard because everyone plays different games but it was like for me when i first played minecraft when i was like i don't know 13 or something and um and it's going oh like that's how you make a pickaxe and, oh that's how you do that and like especially at the time minecraft was setting the trend for you know crafting in games and, and it was the first time that people had been introduced to those mechanics and they really truly felt like unique experiences that you were sort of understanding for the first time and in fact lens island is full of those unique experiences so i'm really just proud of that because it's it's been a challenge for us and it's really hard to do <laughs> yeah like i mentioned to you before it's it i mean not that i know a lot about some of the genres but it definitely feels like something that i've never seen or, or sort of played before and i think um, as I said, the way it all blends together is is done very very well, and you know it, it wasn't a genre that I was I wouldn't say I wasn't keen on, but I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to be as excited for this as something that does sort of suit my um, taste a bit more. But I found myself. What, what just, does suit your taste, by the way? Um, I'm a story driven single player. You know, okay, love those. Okay. You know, and then but then I also love like you know point and click adventure kind of games and like puzzle games like that. Um, but this, you know, this, I felt it sink its hooks, you know, deep into me. I was, I mean, like I only played, you know, uh, five hours or so, but uh, that's quite a long time for me to sit through and play like a game, um, especially like that. And I've had the itch to like, to like go back and play more, but I know that it's a demo. So it's like, I don't want to make all this stuff and, 
you know, then you know, then then the uh, the game comes out and I have to start from scratch. But but no, I've definitely enjoyed it. I think you've got a very very good uh, good product on your hands there. So November fifth on Steam early access. How much is it going to cost? Um, it's a twenty five dollars USD. So I think it's like thirty dollars Australian. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And uh, everyone should go wish listed. I did see that you were pretty high yep. on the wish list rankings. Yeah, I yeah. We yeah. um we were sixty nine the other day, and I think we're sixty eight or sixty seven currently. That's so. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's amazing. It's it's been incredible to be, you know, overpassing like a, a just real games. You know, like 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 big fish of the sea. It's been uh very unique. But look, th- thank you for the kind words. It's been re- it's it's really heartwarming to hear that um I was able to turn a, a story driven game player to, to, to enjoy Lens Island and hopefully I'll continue to sink sink our teeth into you uh, with more story driven elements that we'll add in because uh, myself and Martin definitely uh, we, we love playing with people's emotions and really getting them attached to story and people uh, and it's something that we haven't had the luxury to do as much but it's something that we absolutely will get the luxury to start include in a lot more of a serious level as we progress the game outside of early access so it'll be really interesting to see your opinion and everyone's opinions on you know getting you attached to this world and get attached to your home but then also attached to, to people and the storyline and, yeah. and, and the world is in a greater sense so yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to uh to building upon that part of the game yeah, well, I, I, as you said, like, you know, the demo is like a, sort of a self-contained thing, which I, I did wonder, but I didn't think it, it was the case. I just thought it was just a, you know, a, sort of like an early sort of look, look at it. But knowing that there's tons more out there has got me very, very excited to uh, to check it out in November. So thanks for uh, having a chat with us about it and, and Flow Studio. If uh, any of the listeners do want to check out uh, or follow you on social media or online uh, where can they go yeah so i would say the number one place is probably just the, the youtube channel watching our dev diaries you know uh, that's just flow studio just youtube flow studio and you'll and you'll see it and, and you get all the up-to-date dev diaries and sort of footage in the game we have a discord server i'm always having chats with everybody in the discord server so you can come say hi um and then you know if you, you we also post updates on twitter at lens island as well um, but I said the hub is is the YouTube. You'll you'll get every bit of you know new gameplay and new footage directly to the to the YouTube channel. Amazing. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll make sure to include those links for everyone who wants to join up. Uh, good luck with launch. Uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you before then and after. But uh, yeah, it's been a blast. And enjoy the lead up to uh, to release. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and sort of um, you know, if, if maybe some of the things could help other developers out there that we talked about or shed some light. <laughs> and uh, yeah, look, I love talking about Led Island. I love talking about game development as a whole. So it's it's been really nice to to chat with you, Zach. Awesome. Thanks, Julian. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for checking out this episode of Made in Australia. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>